Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's a Monday. It's September 11th right here on KDOS AM 1060. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Week number one in the NFL wraps up tonight with the Bills at the Jets. We'll get our reactions about the Arizona Cardinals 20-16 loss to the Commanders. More from around the NFL. Any significant injuries that did pop up. College football. 602-260-1060. That's the number if you'd like to join the program. You certainly can. We'll take phone calls today, 1030 and 1115. The number, once again, 602-260-1060. As we typically do, though, let's get things started with today's poll questions. And we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question here. Are you more optimistic about the Cardinals after the season opening 20-16 to loss at Washington? Yes now has taken a lead. 73% of the vote, no trailing at 27%. I, I assume that the optimists are looking at the Cardinals' defense, which was aggressive, not always intelligently aggressive, but aggressive, uh, and uh, produced the lone Cardinals touchdown that game, had six sacks. The pessimism, if the, uh, for those that are still pessimistic out there, just the offense, and uh, you wondered if they were ever going to score I had a friend of mine text me in the last few minutes that the Cardinals had a better chance to score when they're on defense than on offense, and it's kind of hard to argue with that. Uh, you know, Joshua Dobbs has been here for less than three weeks. He's a starting quarterback. Uh, they mentioned, uh, you know, we heard this last week from him, but also they mentioned it more than once during the broadcast that he doesn't even know his offensive teammates' names at this point. Uh, they had 13 first downs, 210 yards, and once they fell behind in the fourth quarter, there was basically no chance of them to win the game. We'll dive into that game a little bit more here in just a minute. Uh, we'll answer the poll question in its entirety around 1130, so still time for you to cast your vote. KDOS1060.com. Flipping it on over to Twitter, at KDOSAM1060. Week number one wraps up tonight, so who wins Monday night in the swamps of Jersey? And I think it's just an excuse here for you to be able to say the swamps of Jersey <laughs> here, Bob. But the Bills are leading the way at 66. That's correct. <laughs> 66.7% of the vote. Jets trailing at 33.3 percent hopefully it'll be better than last night's game in the swamps of jersey in the same building oh gosh uh, so you, there you go yeah exactly yes. so uh i think the schedule maker got this right uh you know there were some week one matchups that i didn't quite get that usually they do a good job of you know getting opponents that you want to see play each other as rematches from last year i know they've staggered those out throughout the uh throughout the season a little more in recent years but still this is a you know if you could pick one game 
uh, to have in the opening Monday night. I heard if I could, at least, this would be the game that I would have had matched up on uh, Monday night to, to start the uh, the Monday night season. I'm sure that uh, Joe Buck and uh, and uh, Troy Aikman are excited about this. So we'll see how it goes with Aaron Rodgers. In his first game with the Jets against Josh Allen and the Bills have won the division the last three seasons. Yeah, I think uh, ESPN has to be pretty excited about this Monday night contest here, at least on paper. There is some intrigue here. Also, you just have in general, uh, there's been some matchups in week one that had division implications, and this is one of them, both being in the AFC East. Correct. Uh, and, you know, Josh Allen had... Uh, some good rushing numbers, but not good passing numbers last year. Uh, and he also injured his elbow the second time that they played the Jets a year ago. We will answer this question here around 1130 at KDOS AM 1060 is the place to cast your vote. Before we go any further, I do want to make mention Fridays. We do Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. There's always a $100 gift certificate on the line for you. And as the winner, you have to come with a weekend pick and... Uh, the weekend pick that we were all collectively rooting for was Texas plus seven. Well, Texas goes and wins outright. Right. So that means we are two and zero oh in our Friday spread bet so far. Yeah, actually, I had forgotten who. We had. <laughs> so I got a lot of stuff going on in my brain for a weekend in the NFL and college football. Uh, so that's good. Yeah, unfortunately for me, I had the game under, which looked like it was going quite well. Uh, for almost three quarters and then all hell broke loose and the damn game went over <laughs> yeah so we'll dive into some college football here momentarily but we'll start things off on this monday with the arizona cardinals and the 20 to 16 loss to the commanders here uh so you had various different elements throughout the game you had some rain there in the third quarter and then it seemed like for most of the fourth quarter it was probably just disgustingly humid after that rain occurred statistically josh jobs was 21 of 30 132 yards two fumbles three sacks on the ground james connor 14 carries 62 yards rondell moore three catches 33 yards he had a long of 31 yards hollywood brown three catches 28 yards and certainly trying to target zach Ertz often with 10 targets six catches for 21 yards yeah, and uh, all those numbers and so forth, but I think the bottom line here is kind of what we, uh, you know, I think a lot of the things we anticipated would happen, happened yesterday with the Cardinals, especially on offense. Their offensive line is atrocious. And uh, I can't imagine, you know, especially this matchup against the Red, the, the excuse me, I almost used the R word, uh, the Commanders front seven which is one of the best in the league, even without Chase Young, who's not going to play at least the first two games for this season, apparently. Uh, but anyway, uh, they can't block anybody. And I felt badly for Dobbs. He's been here for less than three weeks, and they're going to throw him out there and you know, have him go against a defense that's just basically assaulting him the second that the ball snapped. Yeah, certainly that front, we had talked about the commander's front, even without Chase Young, just how good they are, and it was certainly on display quite often. Uh, for the commanders uh, on their 
offensive side of things. Sam Howell was 19 of 31, 202 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He had six six sacks. Brian Robinson, 19 carries, 59 yards. Curtis Samuel, five catches, 54 yards. Logan Thomas, four catches, 43 yards on eight targets. And the Cardinals defense there recovered a fumble of Sam Howell, returned it for their lone touchdown. The defense here for the Cardinals were certainly fast and aggressive. Six sacks, six quarterback hits, two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, seven passes defended, and one interception. Yeah, I'm not going to you know, guess how you know pro football focus judges their offensive line ratings from week to week. I'm sure they do a fine job. They're much more qualified than I. But I would find it difficult to believe that there are two offensive lines that were worse than the Arizona Cardinals and the Washington Commanders yesterday. Certainly here with the ability to wreak havoc in the backfield on the defensive side of the ball here. Uh, the op- It was good to see the defensive unit playing fast and aggressive. I do think, though, that the aggressiveness needs to... Um, reel itself in a bit to play within the whistle and Jonathan Gannon uh, after the game did mention that uh, that he thought uh, that it falls on him that one drive specifically the penalties we wanted to be violent and aggressive but we got to get that cleaned up because we kind of shot ourselves in the foot that one drive that falls on me we have to play smarter he said post game because that one drive accounted for I think it amassed about 68 penalty yards and in total for the game they had nine penalties 122 yards stupid you know late hit by white out of bounds i assume he's going to get fined for that hit uh against uh hal i'm sure he's gonna i shouldn't say i'm sure but i would assume he's gonna get a letter from the nfl on that uh jalen thompson got a personal foul on that that drive also and then the uh, long pass interference penalty on marco wilson and as you mentioned, uh, 122 yards in penalties, and the Cardinals led the league in penalties last year, and I thought that was a primary reason why Cliff Kingsbury's not here anymore, and it wasn't any better yesterday. Sticking uh, or going back to the offensive side of things, I should say here, the offense settled for three field goals, no touchdowns. They had a total of 210 yards. The Cardinals were just four of 14 on third down. In fact, Dobbs had four completions for negative yards, nine passes for less than 10 yards. According to Next Gen Stats, Dobbs's average completed air yards was 3.2. For comparison, you had Tua out there slinging it around at 10.9. Dak Prescott, he had 5.2. You know, certainly I think some continuity and time, uh, more time with the offensive unit will be helpful for, for Dobbs moving forward, but also then just trying to figure out what to do and how to help chip or give some help with the offensive line. Yeah, well, I just you know, like to be, you know, I'd like to give a rosy story here, but I, I just can't imagine this offensive line is going to get a whole lot better, quite frankly. They've got some bad players in an offensive line, a couple guys that aren't ready to play in the NFL, and I think the right tackle, Paris Johnson, is one of them. Uh, He was a turnstile for the majority of the game. Jonathan Gannon thought Dobbs did a good job, that the operation was pretty clean. He made some uh, some good throws and operated well, is what he said post-game. The Cardinals, though, are 0-1 to start the season, with the Giants coming to town this Sunday. Uh, for me here, I think the defense was uh, a very pleasant surprise here, just how aggressive they were, uh, how they were able to make some plays here and put Sam Howell in positions to make some questionable decisions. They were also able to force 
force some fumbles and uh, do some things there on the defensive side of the ball. I'd love to see the penalties get cleaned up. And then just I don't know what the answers are on the offensive side. Well, I'm going to go back to the defense for a second. I want to see them do something against a good offensive line. Yeah, Washington, I think uh, you know, one of the things we also mentioned last Friday is that that was the weakness of their team was their offensive line, especially in pass blocking, and that was definitely the case on Sunday. Uh, I actually think they're a pretty good run blocking group, and I think the Cardinals, for the most part, held up in that end. But uh, you know, I'm not there. I don't think we're going to get much of a um, – an accurate gauge on the Cardinals' defense in Week Two because the, I think the, the Giants' offensive line, while they're supposed to have good two good tackles, uh, at least one good tackle on the left side, uh, they weren't good in any position last night. I, you know, I kind of tuned out of that game after maybe the first quarter. I had it on, but I was getting ready for today. I decided to get to do a little extra uh, preparation or do my preparation for today's show during the uh, basically the last three quarters of that game last night. Yeah, Evan Neal certainly had a rough game for the Whoa. Giants. Whoa. <laughs> right, yeah, the Giants. Yeah, so did Thomas on the left side, though. Uh, yeah. They, you know, they're, they're not to switch away from the Cardinals here, but the Cowboys had seven sacks from seven different guys last night. That's spreading the love around. <laughs> It is. That's pretty impressive, and uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll get to that game in a little more detail in the next hour, or this hour, or in the, during before noon. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But yeah. Uh, yeah, they had a whole bunch of dudes contributing to the Cowboys in the defensive side of the ball, and I'm not sure the Giants' offensive line is going to get uh, amazingly better in, in less than a week. So on the commander side of things here, what did you, cause I know you've been a Sam Howell guy uh, and liked yeah. him having the opportunity to be the starter. What did you see from him uh, in that contest on Sunday? Some good and some bad kind of what I thought. Um, you know, he can definitely move. He can, his legs. I think the people don't didn't really realize or watch enough of Carolina when he was at UNS, UNC in his college career, that dude can make some plays, and obviously the game-winning touchdown, as it turns out, was a run by him. Uh, but he makes some throws where you kind of once in a while go, "What's going on there?" And I, we saw that yesterday. He also, like, almost sometimes the next play makes a throw and go, "Whoa, that's pretty. That's like elite." So inconsistency. Yeah, he didn't get like I mentioned. He isn't getting help from his offensive line. And uh, that's another uh, another group that I don't think is going to get tremendously better during the season. I just don't think they have that many good players in the offensive line, much like the Cardinals front. Well, I will say this here. It was kind of a little shocking at times to just hear the crowd noise. And then when they did do like a, an aerial view, see how many fans were back in that stadium excited about commanders football. And obviously that's due to the sale of the team. Well, and also, you know, I'm sure that uh, you know that was a Fox game, right? Yeah, Fox. Yeah. I'm sure they would have liked to have had a, a bleep button when they had the F Daniel Snyder chance going more than once. 
Uh, so, but that was mainly in the first half. They were by the time kind of the second half started, they were more into watching the game, I guess. <laughs> Fair enough. So the Cardinals, though, they'll be hosting the Giants here this Sunday. We'll obviously transition to more Cardinals uh, heading into the week, at least according to Jonathan Gannon. They uh, post game, so we'll find out how things transpire throughout the week. Though injury wise, he said that they came out pretty clean. So we'll continue to monitor that in preparation for week number two. But on the other side of the break we will go around the nfl uh throughout the games here what caught our attention here for some of these games there were some upsets there were some uh maybe some unsurprising results as well so we'll dive into all of that here in the extra point right here on kdus am 1060 as always online at kdus 1060.com and with the kdus 1060 app powered by superbook sports right now suggest you certainly download the kdus app follow along with the listener rewards options because you could potentially be eligible for a $100 gift certificate courtesy of Superbook Sports. So make sure you take advantage of that listener reward happening right now throughout the rest of the month of September. More NFL discussion is next. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. Bring KDUS AM 1060 into your home with Alexa. Hi, I'm Alexa. Download the KDUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open the KDUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. KDOS AM 1060 as always online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you as we go around the NFL here. You know, most of these games at some point in time had a little bit of weather to contend with, whether it was for most of the contest, part of the contest. It was certainly uh, some rain involved in what was happening over the Sunday action. But let's start here with Cleveland and the Browns beating the Bengals 24 to 3. We talked about it on Friday, how much this Bengals team has struggled. Joe Burrow has struggled against the Cleveland Browns. Burrow is now one in five, uh, but this was certainly a whole new level of struggle for Burrow. Uh, 14 of 31, 82 yards, two sacks, just two of 15 on third down. And this is now different as well because the uh, Jim Schwartz era has started as the new Browns defensive coordinator. That, that's an excellent point. Yeah, he they blitzed a lot, and uh, the the Bengals were awful uh, in blitz situations. It wasn't just Burrow; they had confusion, uh, you know, not just with the receivers and Burrow, which you would expect considering he hasn't played at all, you know, really in training camp or the preseason uh, because of the calf injury they just suffered. It was like the second day of training camp, if I remember correctly, when he went down. But they, their offensive line had no idea who they were supposed to block. I mean, it was mass, mass confusion there. So that wasn't good. Orlando Brown, who they paid a lot of money, he was absolutely awful in this game at left tackle. Uh, he was just, uh, you know, you, know, you expect him to have some not-so-good plays against Miles Garrett, but he was terrible. Uh, Orlando Brown was in this game and gave Burrow zero chance. Uh, you know, Burrow, I mentioned a connection with the wide receivers. He was zero for eight when targeting T. Higgins. Zero for eight when targeting his second best receiver. 
To back up your point here about uh, the pass protection for the Bengals, they had the worst pass blocking win rate at just 30%. Uh, so that's that's not getting it done. Flipping this on over to the Brown side of things, led by Nick Chubb, 18 carries, 106 yards. Deshaun Watson was 16 of 29, 154 yards, one touchdown, one interception. But there is some bad news for the Browns as right tackle Jack Conklin tore his ACL yeah and MCL, and he will have season-ending surgery. That's according to reports from this morning. Yeah, that dude's been hurt a lot. They were anticipating uh, bad news. I don't know if they were anticipating that news. That's as bad as it gets, pretty much, uh, as far as uh, the knee injury goes. He's had, you know, frequent injuries the last couple of years. I just kind of wonder if, you know, hopefully he's able to overcome this again and comes back. But I think it's... Uh, wouldn't be surprising if he were never as good as he was say two years ago when he was playing at an all pro level and you know this Browns offensive line which is considered to be amongst the best in the league uh, by many uh, they haven't always played at the level that they're considered to be as good but you just wondered whether this line's ever going to be intact to be able to pull this off and uh, there's going to be a drop off at right tackle now uh, so we'll see how it goes. I actually thought Deshaun Watson made some really good plays in this game. I actually ended up watching quite a bit of this game, as it turns out. It just kind of worked out timeout-wise during the Cardinals game, etc. But uh, I was, uh, you know, I probably watched more of this game than any other game other than the Cardinals. And uh, I thought that Watson did fine. Uh, you know, Chubb, other than the one fumble, which was a killer at the time. Uh, he's a you know, he's my favorite running back in the NFL for many years. I think he's the best running back, running back, uh, in the NFL. And uh, yeah, other than the fumble, you know, he made you know 18 carries for 105 yards. That's a nice yards per carry, needless to say. But he just has a knack of hitting the right hole, breaking tackles, just what a running back should do, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, that, I think you summed that up pretty well there for Nick Chubb. Uh, and to your point about Deshaun Watson, it seems like in moments where they certainly needed him to make a play, especially there in the second half, he was able to find a way to do it. And they would have better numbers had they not dropped some passes in the first half on balls that he threw really well. And uh, they had a couple different guys that just didn't catch the ball, but uh that was, uh, you know, they were definitely more effective as a unit in the second half. Now, I have a question here, and it may just be not answerable yet, and we'll have to see how the season plays out. But certainly Joe Burrow not really having a training camp, not having a preseason. Uh, this has been something that has happened now for the last couple of years, and they kind of get off to some interesting sluggish starts. But obviously the talent is there. They find ways to click. Uh, so is it just as simple as let's give it some time for everybody to come together? Or is there maybe something here that uh, some of that offensive line issues need – need addressing well you know last year they were supposed to have a wild you know a big big improvement in the offensive line and it was certainly better from the super bowl year but i'm guessing that that, that certainly they went out and paid all this money for orlando brown so they didn't think it was as good as it should have been and then yesterday you would have expected a better performance from the offensive line and it just looked like there's some preparation issues there because as i mentioned 
their, uh, their line had no idea what blitz pickups they were supposed to be in against Jim Schwartz's defense. We'll move on to the 49ers traveling to Pittsburgh with a 30-7 win over the Steelers. And boy, was I completely wrong about this particular contest. Uh, I wasn't necessarily thinking the Steelers could win, but I thought they could keep it under a 10-point loss. But the 49ers pounced early. They were the more physical team. Brock Purdy, 19 of 29, 220 yards, two touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey on the ground, 22 carries, 152 yards, and one touchdown. And Ayuk, eight catches, 129 yards and two touchdowns okay let's start with the positive side here Brock Purdy very efficient he's now thrown two or more touchdown passes in every game he's had as a starter that you know, except for the game in the playoffs last year he was injured against Philadelphia reminded me of last season he's just efficient and you know and they certainly put him in good positions to make plays and they've got playmakers Brandon Ayuk I think can actually make a case that he might have been the best all-around player in football yesterday. You know, he caught the eight passes for 129 yards, had the two first-half touchdowns, also had two blocks on the same play on Christian McCaffrey's long touchdown run. It was an amazing performance from the ASU alum there, so good for him. Uh, the one concern uh, that stood out to me with the, the Niners yesterday is they might have a right tackle problem. Mike McGlinchey was really good. He got a lot of money and went to Denver. Replaced by uh, replaced by Colton McKivitz, who was absolutely used yesterday. But that was a lot of the you know, you know T.J. Watt uh, had three sacks and pretty much that damage was against McKivitz. So that could be an issue there. Best news for the Niners yesterday is that Kittle played and was effective. And remember, they had the kicker situation. Mm -hmm. They had like three kickers in there last week, and we really didn't know who was going to perform. Jake Moody, who they drafted out of Michigan, uh, was able to play, and he was the, the guy yesterday. So I assume that they're okay with that now. But they literally had three guys in the building last week, and we didn't know on Friday who exactly was going to kick. So good for that. As far as Pittsburgh, so much for the preseason, so much for Kenny Pickett being the greatest quarterback in the history of the planet. Uh, he's not going to be as bad as he was yesterday. I think the best, the worst thing that happened to the Steelers yesterday is they had some injuries here. Cameron Hayward, who is a really good defender, uh, went down with a hamstring injury. I haven't seen anything about his status. Uh, Deontay Johnson went down with a hamstring injury in that game also. have been saying this morning about his status. Usually Mike Tomlin does not meet with the media until Tuesdays. Most coaches have Mondays, uh, so we may not find anything about those two guys until tomorrow. Um, the Falcons, they hosted the Panthers, 24-10 to victory for them here. The Panthers, three turnovers, and the Falcons were able to capitalize on that, scoring 17 points off of those turnovers. That included two interceptions from Bryce Young. And then on the Falcons side of things, all eyes were on Bijan Robinson. He had 10 carries, 56 yards, six catches, 27 yards, and one touchdown. Yeah, uh, I don't think the Falcons were any good either, quite frankly. I mean, they were bad on offense. They only had 13 first downs. They only had 221 yards. They were 2 for 10 on third down. You know, Bijan was good. Fantasy owners are, you know, they should have known better. Uh, you know, Bijan's going to be fine, and he's going to be a good fantasy player. But I mentioned during the preseason that uh, Tyler Algiers is going to get goal line carries, and he got two short yardage touchdowns yesterday. And had 15 carries in the game for 75 yards. They only had 221 yards. 
Uh, now, Algiers got 75 of those. <laughs> Correct. Yes. I think that it's very incomplete for me to see how the, the Falcons are offensively and whether or not Desmond Ritter is the answer there at quarterback, uh, just because they had such short fields to work with at times with those turnovers. And like I said, scoring 17 points off of those turnovers. That's true. Um, you know, this was a, you know, I watched a little of this game off and on, you know, the red zone, etc. It looked like it was a really bad football game and there were unfortunately Several poorly played games yesterday, and I don't think it's that sort of the case here because it's you know, it seemed in the you know somebody who doesn't watch the preseason, but judging of what I heard and read, it uh, sounded like that uh, these two teams played their regulars more in the preseason than a lot of teams. So I can't use well they didn't play in preseason excuse for the bad first game. The Jaguars on the road in Indianapolis get a 31-21 win over the Colts. Uh, Calvin Ridley, he announced himself back to the NFL after his year suspension. Eight catches, 101 yards, one touchdown. Rookie Anthony Richardson, uh, it was 24 of 37 for him. 223 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He also had 10 carries, 40 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, the Colts also did have a defensive score, fumble recovery touchdown. Yeah, let's start with Jacksonville. It's 14-0 in the fourth quarter. That, that was you know, the margin that uh, they outscored them 14-0 mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter. I mean, they were in danger of losing this game. I think they have some significant offensive line issues. I thought before yesterday they had some offensive line issues. They got dominated uh, by the Colts front seven, which is, I think, pretty good. Uh, if that's you know, I don't think there's any question that the strength of the Colts team would be their you know, defensive front seven. But you know, I, I, you know, Trevor Lawrence was running for his life a lot of times yesterday, and I don't know if he expects to do that every play, every game. But he seemed like he was yesterday. As far as the Colts, by the way, uh, bookmakers are very happy with this result. They took a ton of action in the last couple of days on the Colts in this game, much to my surprise, and didn't quite understand why. Uh, but uh, but there was tons of cold. This game got down to three and a half and four, depending on where you're betting. Uh, Anthony Richardson, I actually thought had some good moments, kind of what we expect, because he's got you know flashes of good moments, not just running the ball, but he makes some throws that are really impressive and some throws that you just kind of wonder is that guy actually an NFL quarterback? He also got hurt for no good reason when they should have just been kicking a field goal. They needed two scores. And they kept going for it on fourth down in the final drive. I have no idea what the hell the Colts are thinking at that point. But he also, you know, suffered a, you know, he turns out it's a quick, he said a bruised knee. Um, so we'll see what happens. He didn't come back in and they were already, you know, down 10 at that point. So they didn't put him back in the game afterwards when they got the ball back again. But, uh, you know, some good and some bad there. But I think the bottom line out of this game for me is that uh, the Jags have got to figure out how to be better or at least decent in the offensive line. Do you think that things can improve for them when Cam Robinson is back from his suspension? That's a good point. Uh, it should. I mean, he's their starting left tackle. They paid him like twice. <laughs> uh, so, you know, a lot of people thought he was going to be let go before he even got a second contract. Uh, so, you know, he's their starting left tackle, and he's just suspended for the first uh, four or six games. I can't remember which one. four. Okay. Yeah, I can't remember. You know, I got all my suspensions mixed up. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's not always the same amount, but uh, he's out for a while. So we'll see what happens. But they did win yesterday, and they did dominate the fourth quarter.
More NFL discussion coming up on the other side of the break as we can continue to break down week one Sunday action. If you'd like to chime in, you can. 602-260-1060 is the number. We'll get to you on the other side of the break, plus more NFL discussion from week one. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app, powered by Superbook Sports. Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060. point right here on KDOS AM 1060 as always online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports continuing dissecting week one of the NFL and let's get into an upset here the Buccaneers go on the road they beat the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota 20 to 17 you have from the Buccaneers side of things, Mike Evans, six catches, 66 yards, one touchdown. It appears that contract negotiations with Mike Evans have stopped now that the season has gotten started. Baker Mayfield, 21 of 34, 173 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. He also had some key fourth down conversion there that led to what ended up being the game winning field goal. And despite Justin Jefferson yet again being dynamic, nine catches, 150 yards, Jordan Addison in his rookie debut, four catches, 61 yards. It was the run game that struggled mightily for the Vikings here. 41 yards on 17 carries. Alexander Madison, 11 carries for 34 yards. Yeah, I probably saw less of this game than any game yesterday, quite frankly. Uh, but I did watch the highlights, of course, last night. And, uh, you know, just based on the highlights, I thought that Baker Mayfield, he made some nice throws. I guess he started really slowly, but got better as the game went on. Uh, in addition to that, almost all those numbers for Jefferson were in the first half. They had some turnovers and bad penalties, Minnesota did. Uh, they couldn't run the ball, as you mentioned. And I think uh, most noteworthy is their defense, which I think is their biggest question before the season started. Uh, there were some stretches they just couldn't get off the field. I mean, the Tampa Bay had a couple of long, long drives, and it was a combination of Mayfield completing, basically Mayfield completing passes, it looked like, on some third downs. Yeah, and that's not great news for Vikings fans who, uh, you know, saw their defense struggle last year. So changes made, bringing in Brian Flores in the offseason here. Uh, so hoping to kind of fix that. Uh, you have to wonder, though, too, because they were the team that had so many one-score victories last year, does that trend continue this year, or is there a bit of a, you know, natural regression that occurs? Uh, this natural regression crap, I don't buy into that. I'm sorry. And, yeah, this what happened last season you know, is going to change the next season or carries over to the next season. I don't believe that garbage either. And the Minnesota defense is so much different personnel-wise. I don't think you can go one, you know, one year to the next as far as com- comparison. Obviously, Dalvin Cook's not there anymore. It's just it's a it's a vastly different team personnel wise than it was last season. Some of the key guys are still there on offense, 
Not many of the key guys are still there on defense, a new coordinator. There's lots of changes in Minnesota from last year to this year, personnel-wise. I'm kind of scratching my head here how this game ended up being 16-15, but it was a Saints victory, 16-15 over the Titans. Ryan Tannehill struggled. He was just 16 of 34, 198 yards and three interceptions, including three sacks. The Saints defense also shut down Derrick Henry, 15 carries, 63 yards. Derrick Carr, though, it wasn't pretty for him, but he was able to make some key throws there late, 23 of 33, 305 yards, one touchdown and one interception yeah i actually thought he was good i watched quite a bit of this game you know uh, oddly enough but uh you know tanny hill was awful uh his receivers couldn't get open including deandre hopkins who rarely seemed to be open uh 13 targets and seven catches and there was almost no separation which you know was something we kind of noticed the last year or so when hopkins was healthy and playing here uh so that's understandable he's in his early 30s now uh, but you know, it seemed like every time he was thrown to, either you know, you know, somebody from the Saints was basically you know covering him without seemingly much difficulty. Uh, so Tannehill, 16 to 34, three picks. Uh, a couple other picks got dropped. Quite frankly, it could have been five interceptions. You know, Carr had a bad first half, but ended up with 300 plus yards. Uh, they only got one touchdown, but I thought Carr made some really good throws. Olave. Uh, he's a really good receiver. You know, you know, Michael Thomas was good early. Hopefully, you know, for you know, Saints fans, he can stay healthy. Uh, Lave had over 100 yards in receptions, but uh, this was just kind of a, you know, two defenses that kind of dominated the game in part because you know, Tannehill was bad, and you know, the Saints couldn't run the ball until they had to run the ball, and they ran the clock out by running the ball. The Ravens, 25-9 to over the Texans. And, of course, the big news here, crushing news uh, for J.K. Dobbins as he has tore his Achilles, so he will be out for the remainder of the season. That's the big news there on the offensive side of the ball. Lamar Jackson was 17-22, of 22, 169 yards with one pick. He also had six carries for 38 yards and was the team's leading rusher after uh, J.K. Dobbins had left the game. Yeah, it wasn't just Dobbins. I mean, obviously that's a you know bad injury, and you know considering he's only played a handful of games in like almost three seasons now, that uh, you know good luck for him coming back from that, this latest injury. But they also have other issues as far as injuries go. Uh, defensive back Marcus Williams might have suffered a torn pec. We've seen you know varying uh, returns from torn picks, uh, pecs. You know J.J. Watt last season. But, you know, Williams is a defensive back, uh, so I would assume that that's a little more of a problematic thing for him than some other possessions. Also, Ronnie Stanley, uh, who has unfortunately been frequently injured. The last I saw, he had an MRI scheduled for his knee this morning. Haven't seen any results on that. Marcus a- Mark Andrews, he wasn't even there. Well, he was sure, he, I assume he was there. Wasn't he was inactive. He, he was inactive. Uh, before the game, you know, they put him on the end and you know, wasn't even active to play in the game because of a quad injury. And uh, so that's there's just some of the things that happened yesterday. Also, you know, not that surprised that the Ravens offense struggled. They didn't play one snap uh, during the preseason. You have a new offensive coordinator in Todd Munkin. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson had a pick and you know, had two fumbles. Uh, yesterday, so I don't think anybody can be terribly surprised that that happened. The good news is Zay Flowers 
uh, you know, 78 yards and receptions, nine catches. He certainly looked good in his first game. What do you make about C.J. Stroud sacked five times uh, and the ground game in total for the Texans was held to 72 yards? Well, the by the end of the game, the Texans were without three offensive starters. Uh, they started the game without their right tackle. They ended the game without their two guards and their right tackle. So good luck. The L.A. Rams go into Seattle and they say not so fast here. They win 30 to 13 for a team with certainly bigger aspirations with the Seahawks. This was an underwhelming week one performance. Matthew Stafford, 24 of 38, 334 yards. Uh, here's the names of who his leading receivers were. Tutu Atwell, six catches, 119 yards. And I'm sure I'm going to mess this up. Puka Nakua, 10 catches, 119 yards. The Seahawks had just 12 yards yards in the second half the Seahawks also lost both their starting tackles to injury in this game yeah we talked about those guys last year they were rookies they stepped up Charles Cross and also Abraham Lucas they were both injured I think in the first half of this game I'm not exactly sure when Lucas went down Cross was injured in the first half and you know those were the two of their big parts from last year and they lost them both. And I haven't heard a word, and it's Pete Carroll, so God knows when we'll hear something that we can believe in as far as an injury update. Uh, you know, I think the biggest thing for me coming out of this game from the Seattle side is that Geno Smith actually questioned the effort of his team. It's game one. Uh, so that's not a good thing. Uh, to me, the Rams, uh, they've actually dominated this series for several years. They even won one of the games last year. Uh, but uh, Aaron Donald looked like the you know non the pre you know he wasn't good last year by his standards he looked like the old Aaron Donald in this game. Granted, it was partly because you know a depleted offensive line on their side, but you know usually the offensive tackles aren't blocking him, but he seemed to be unblockable at times in this game. No Kittle, you mentioned that those two guys stepped up and you know. And you know, Puka is actually a guy I wanted to get on my fantasy team and didn't get him before the draft last week or during the draft last week because I knew he was there and you know, I thought that Cooper, Cooper Cup might be out at that time. But you know, he's good. He's He, he actually was a, a guy I heard a lot about during the preseason uh, because he was making plays then. Uh, and, yeah, to the point of, I guess – effort or just frustration or mentally uh in it dk metcalf with that silly just frustrated hit for absolutely no reason there at one point during the game we'll get into more uh wrapping up nfl from the afternoon slate on the other side of the break it is the extra point have you downloaded the kdus am 1060 skill for alexa yet food alexa is frustrated no matter how many times do you ask the answer is mail chicken once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows. Wrapping up hour number one of this Monday, September 11th edition of Extra Point right here on KDUS AM 1060. Bob Kemp, Caleb Mortolaro with you. Continuing our NFL discussion going through the Sunday slate of games and continuing with the afternoon slate 
Sean Payton's debut as the new Broncos head coach was spoiled by the Raiders in a 17-16 win over the Broncos in Denver. Uh, You had some craziness to start. You know, you shouldn't be surprised, right, that Sean Payton would try to do this to get things started with a onside kick. Uh, you know, he did that in the Super Bowl. So, you know, why not here? Uh, but anyway. And they they worked on this for weeks, I'm sure. And you get the illegal touching thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, worked, it was going to work perfectly. He had to go crazy when it, it wasn't, you know, that, like I said, they had to have this in the works for weeks. They knew they were going to do this. So... Yeah, you would have to think so. And then some of the kicking woes here for the Broncos and making the trade for Will Lutz, uh, it didn't pan out for them here in week one because he did miss an extra point. He did miss a field goal. So that ended up kind of uh, obviously going not in the direction in favor of the Broncos here. But in the fourth quarter, Jimmy G, he had a decisive game-winning drive where he was four of five, 60 yards in that drive. In total, he was 20 of 26 for 200 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Josh Jacobs uh, coming and making an agreement there with the Raiders here. He got the start in week one, 19 carries for 48 yards. Conversely here, everyone was wanting to see how Russell Wilson was going to do with Sean Payton. The offense did look like an offense, 27 of 34, 177 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, I thought he looked okay, uh, rusted. You know, Jimmy G was uh, the, 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 one inter- the one interception was a terrible play. Uh, an end zone pick when they were still losing 13 to 10 in that game. Uh, you know, they had points for sure, and he throws a pick in the end zone. And uh, that was, you know, to me, typical Jimmy G. Uh, but uh, Las Vegas continues their dominance against the Broncos. They've now won seven in a row. Uh, this was not a good number for the uh, good day, uh, good uh, game for the bookmaker. The number got down. There was like you know, down to three at many places by kickoff. So they got hammered with Las Vegas money yesterday. I should rephrase that by Raiders money. It wasn't necessarily all in Las Vegas. Some of it was, but not all of it. Uh, so not a good game for the bookmaker here. And uh, we'll see how this goes in the future. But I actually thought Russ looked okay. They, this was, uh, for the most part, unwatchable football, quite frankly. Uh, these were two teams that looked like they weren't really ready to play week one. Yeah, I'd agree with that. There was some tangible rust. Let's call it that. Well, timeouts because you got too many guys in the field or too few guys in the field. That happened with each team. Uh, for this game, so it just looked like what have they been doing for you know X number of weeks and months? You know, at least get the right number of dudes out there. We'll continue con- uh, with the rest of the NFL slate from week one. We'll get into that in hour number two. We'll also dive into the weekend that was from college football. It's all happening here in the Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060.